Perhaps nothing is more central to our Appalachian heritage than storytelling. We tell our stories not only in words and songs, but also through how we live out our common life together. Inspire Appalachia is about telling the stories of people who are leaning into problems and changing lives. It's about getting real and sharing your challenges authentically with courage, conviction, and creativity. So that by engaging our passions and imaginations, we cultivate resilience in order to create a brighter future for ourselves, our families, our friends, and our region. So pour yourself a glass of sweet tea, pull up a chair, and listen to these stories of people who are changing lives. And these stories may very well change yours. Today, we're at Coalition for Kids in Johnson City, Tennessee, and we're with Randy Hensley. Randy, welcome to Inspire Appalachia. This is exciting. I mean, I'm looking forward to this conversation, <laughs> and the idea of what you're doing is just, uh, it, it's engaging. It's like, this is a great idea. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Well, we appreciate you being our guest today. So, uh, tell us, what was it like growing up in Mountain City in the in the 1970s? Wow. Um uh, Mountain City was a, I grew up on a farm. Interestingly enough, my mom and dad were pretty well off, um, in a sense, because they're that generation that when they started a job, they stayed at it for 40 plus years, both of them. My mom started out as, as she was uh, a, a part-time employee in the county trustee's office. And so after 45 years, she had went from part-time to full-time assistant to trustee in her last 20 years, she was the trustee of the county, which wow. she was known as the sweetest lady in Johnson County. That's where I get my, my sweetness, right? My dad, it was the same way. He started and he didn't graduate high school, so he had to get a GED later uh, in life, but he was he started working at the textile plant there mm -hmm. and uh, ended up being the production manager that he was the highest uh, employee ranking for a non college-educated employee uh, of the textile company they had. He'd been there 45 years, too, to help build the plant. You know, we were well off, but we still were the standard 1,200-square-foot brick uh, ranch house. The cool part is I, live, I lived with my granny and papa all the time because they had a farm, and I loved farming. And I said, if I could make money, uh, I would do farming all my life. I, I just thought it's the coolest thing in the world. I'd get up, and but, but part of that was because two people, one would be papa, Mm -hmm. uh, and it was his farm, and we lived right beside a dairy farm. And so, I mean, I can tell stories about putting up square bales of hay and, and, and doing it all by myself. He just had to drive a tractor. I can get it off the off the baler and put it on the wagon and, and rick it and go about eight high and still, you know, I could go mm -hmm. on. And, cutting tobacco was a, a competition. Uh, mm -hmm. Me and another buddy, he had, he's 10 years older now, and I thought he was this older man, memory-wise. Mm -hmm. I always looked up to him, and I later found out when I got older, he was only 10 years older than me. And we'd cut, cut tobacco forever. I mean, it was just every day was just on the farm and go home to soup beans and cornbread mm -hmm. every, four, four or five nights a week when soup beans, pork chops, and what pork chops, it was meatloaf, and then it repeated. And, you know, <laughs> and so that was, yeah, Mountain City was pretty low key for me. Uh, but I love the farm side of it. It yeah. was in family. It's close. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we have that in common. So you talked about your um, your papa. And aside from him, who were some of the other uh, big influences in your life? Well, well, you know, my I couldn't not say my dad. My dad was a big influence, but very different than my papa. One because my papa had this uh, faith part to him that made him 
just this unbelievable high character guy. My dad wasn't quite as, as strong on the faith side as he was on the right and wrong side. Mm-hmm. And so I get my sense of right and wrong from my from my dad in a sense because he was so hardcore. Mm-hmm. I mean, he knew what was right and he knew what was wrong and there wasn't any in between. And, and so he made a, he was a major influence. Um, I could tell you people like Hill Ward was my peewee football coach. And to this day, if I see Hill Ward, I will stop Hill Ward and tell him uh, what a difference he made in my life because he was just bigger than life. Uh-huh. Um, just just being there for four or five years uh, that he, he was a little peewee football coach. Uh, tell me a story about him. Well, Hill was... It was the guy that uh, he had you throughout your young years, so peewees and midgets, and he coached. And I didn't really think as much, I'm sure, about him then, but when I got to high school and I was playing football, he would always follow. And so he'd be on the sidelines, and, and it was always neat. He would walk around, he would talk to us on the sidelines, the kids that he had kind of raised mm-hmm. through the system. And anytime it's cold, he would always do standing jumping jacks while he's standing on the side. It's always cool to watch. One game... Um, it was first game of my senior year. Uh, I was a line, a defensive tackle at the time, and I uh, intercepted a screen pass on the 45, ran 55 yards for a touchdown, the first ever by a lineman against Hampton. It was great. <laughs> and everybody said that Hill Ward beat me to the end zone when, when I got to the end zone because I was not the athletic guy. I had to fight real hard to be athletic. I had two brothers where I was not, so I had to work pretty hard. So I was not the fastest guy out there, you know. And they everybody said, and Hill was like 75 years old. And they said <laughs> that he'll probably beat me to the end zone when he got there. Just, just he so was excited. proud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's a great story. Cool guy. It sounds like a lot of these stories in your life, you know, like talking about your father and your grandfather. I mean, your, your father represented justice. Yes. Your grandfather represented Grace, Grace. Of mercy, very yeah. much so. Yeah, it sounds always. like uh, very true. My mom like you've was had those kind of people in your life. I have, all I have, and my dad's always been that way. My mom would be my the picture of my papa. She was always Grace, and that has been all my life. Uh, the balance that I've gotten, I felt like I was not over the top on either side. Wow, that's yeah, it's pretty cool feeling to have those people in your lives that when you get old enough to recognize what they were doing the whole time that they didn't necessarily even know the impact that it's made on my life is absolutely phenomenal that I would have that. So we're going to uh, uh, pause for a word from our sponsor and come back and discuss, uh, you know, how those childhood experiences and learning about justice and grace uh, has inspired you in uh, your work with um, Coalition for Kids. So now a word from our sponsors. Summit Marketing, a division of the Summit Companies, is a full-service marketing firm with locations in Bristol, Kingsport, and Johnson City, Tennessee. We're a passionate bunch of people who feel truly fortunate to not only work in an industry we love, but also with clients and industries that truly excite us. Innovate, create, inspire is a motto that has formed based on the relationships we have built with our partners. As a team, we work together to provide innovative ideas, creative concepts, and inspirational work to serve our clients' needs. We work to build strong relationships with everyone by always providing quality, original work. In the simplest terms, 
Our business is to help make your organization better. I am resilient. I trust the movement. I negate the chaos. Uplift the negative. I'll show up at the table again and again and again. I'll close my mouth and learn to listen. The way the coalition started is a real cool story. There was a church uh, that sat right beside the apartment complex that we literally, when we got created, were to created for the impact. The kids in that uh, apartment complex, Tyler Apartments. The church uh, at the time, prior to the coalition, had uh, been dealing with kids from the apartment complex spraying graffiti and messing. Uh, just the church not taking, not being kind to it. Just rough. So the church hired an architect uh, to design a wall so it could be protected from the people who lived in Tyler, whoever was doing it. So they get a new pastor this next year. His name's Hagen McClellan. He comes in, he sees the idea, and he says, what if we built a bridge instead of a wall? And they said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, first of all, I want us to get together. Now, this is a church of probably 45 people. They were all 60 plus, maybe not all, but it was an older congregation with no money and not a whole lot of people and no children. All right, now what difference are they going to make in the world? Watch. This is cool. So he gets them together and they have a small committee. And he said, I want to dream up, we call it a vision. He said, I want to dream up. Uh, he said, I want to pray down, not think up. I've never forgotten that. He said, I want to pray down, not think up. What does God want us to do that would take him doing it for it to make a difference? And let's do it over the next 25 years. They came up with three things, a playground in the apartment complex, a children's community center, and a, a prayer room where they bartered with clothes, shoes, food, and they prayed for people of the community. Okay, that was the 25-year plan. In the first year, they brought a man on named Mitch Cox to help put together the playground and fund it in, 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 in Tyler Apartments. And Mitch and Hagen said, we need to do more for these kids than this. We ought to, we ought to help them. And in an instant, um, Mitch brought Lawrence Porterfield on, who owned the Pepsi company. And all of a sudden, they bought a piece of property 100 yards away, uh, our first building, the metal warehouse. Uh, they renovated it. It was a $160,000 piece of property in a building. And, the, and, and that's when I ran into Mitch and I ran into Hagen, and the coalition got started. Uh, and we were doing ministry at that point. Now, and then God's Corner happened, uh, which they call it God's Corner, the bartering prayer room, right on the corner. So all three of these things are within 150 yards of each other, and they all happened in less than five years. Through a church, this is the coolest part, through a church that had no money, no resources, no people, no children, and God, at, to this day, we've had 9,000 kids through the doors of the coalition, all because... <laughs> Seven older people <laughs> decided to, to just write down what God wanted and leave it at that, see what would happen. And I'm here 20 years later because of that. Now, you want to talk about a difference that can be made in our communities and our world. That kind of praying down stuff instead of thinking it up is a big part, but just the faith to say, can we do something instead of nothing? I've got my roots down, 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 deep. I've got my roots down, 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 deep. I've got my roots. 
Coalition for Kids is a nonprofit organization with a mission to help children in need. Here they find a safe place with professional tutors and a staff of volunteers. C4K is not a daycare facility. After school, Coalition children find a safe and caring place where they can grow educationally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. We offer a wide variety of activities specifically designed to instill confidence, foster leadership, strengthen character, and cultivate a passion for knowing God and walking with Him, helping children grow in wisdom and stature and in favor of God and man. I am resilient. I trust the movement. I negate the chaos. Uplift the negative. I'll show up at the table again and again and again. I'll close my mouth and learn to listen. So what's your story and what lessons can we learn from that? Um, it, funding being the hardest thing, you know, we were blessed on the front end, which I've said to everybody who's ever come to me and asked about starting a, new, a nonprofit, um, you need a financial founder. That's just a phrase I've used. I don't even know if it's real. You need a financial founder. You need somebody with the, the strength and capacity that you can live on their uh, credibility on the front end, and then that will move into your credibility as you get older, and then it'll move into the mission of the organization as it gets older. But one um, story I would just tell you, um, so me and Mitch were going to approach uh, another local um, donor uh, at the time, except he was probably 10 times bigger than Mitch was. And uh, so we go to the office and, and Mitch respects this guy. Uh, and we'll say Jim, Mick, Mitch respects Jim. And so we're sitting and talking, we're going to ask Jim for a donation. And, and Jim says, and we're about six years old. And, and Jim says, well, Mitch, you are going to stay for 10 years, aren't you? And Mitch looked at him and Jim didn't he paused a second and just kept on talking. He said, because any organization, for it to survive, needs someone of your stature with them for at least the first 10 years, if not longer. He said, because an organization who, who doesn't have a financial founder walk with them for that 10 years where the organization can get their feet underneath them, can go from being about the name of the donor and that their credibility to being about normally, in our case, it became the name of the director and my credibility and now it's about the mission of the organization. And that's simply going from crawling to walking to running. Um, and so when he said that to Mitch, I thought to myself, big smile on my face. I thought, <laughs> yes, sweet. Mitch is going to stay. Because I knew he would. Because it was just good advice. And it was appropriate. This is our 20th year. And Mitch, after 20, that he has, in the last three years, has given the largest gift he's ever given. So if when folks think things are big, they just need to settle down and wait for what God's really got planned. Amen. So with that background, you know, what advice do you have for folks who are like like you were? You know, you're, you had a successful business career and uh, or you're just out of college or whatever, and you see a need and you want to jump in to serve that need. Um, I, I would literally um, suggest... For anybody, um, if they're starting a nonprofit, if they're starting to open up a new organization that, to make a difference, uh, that they would start. Now, see, I can give you a moment of silence there because most of the time people, the degree of, of planning and prep, and uh, it, it gets them to a place that I, I understand the need for it, and we did it. But we started with 15 kids, 20 kids. 
uh, because I knew that if we could start, we could continue. We and we would we would create a path. We would find out what the bumps were because you'll never plan for the bumps when you've never been on the road. You can only run into them when you get profound. there. Um, so it's a it, it's a place where I, 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 we started with another organization at the same time, same year, side by side. He planned for four years. We already had kids for four years. He went out. He, he his ministry stopped eight years in mm-hmm. because he just didn't have the capacity to to drive. But he was a great dreamer, mm-hmm. and see, that has a lot to do with how you make it through. Um, it's you've got to believe in the dream, but it doesn't have to be your dream. The Coalition for Kids was not my dream. The Coalition for Kids was me honoring God with with the request I told him. I said, I'll serve you. I want to do it full time. And the door opened. And when I stepped into it, me leading the coalition into the place we are isn't because I had a dream to make a difference in the world that I live in. But it was. It just wasn't about the coalition. Because I only want to live to make a difference in the world I live in. I don't care what I'm doing. If I'm behind a retail counter, if I'm a, the director of the coalition, or if I'm serving on an Emmaus team, uh, you, you know, um, I just want to make the difference. So I'm doing it as if I'm serving the Lord um, in every place. If that happens, the person who starts a new organization will never be disappointed. But don't ever consider that you uh, that you put God in a place where He has to bless what you're doing. In the concept that he would give you more or not let it fall, because all of that, I always say, work like it's all up to you, pray like it's all up to God. People have probably heard that, but it's more true than they know, because you've got to trust that your efforts need to have many people around you to help you do it well. Um, But your drive better be based on something more than just the dream. It better have its foundation in a bigger place, and that's that's in God, uh, and and that He's going to honor you as you go through it. Because when it feels like it's going to be over, you better not have put your being in your organization. It better be in something bigger than that. There is no organization big enough to carry somebody through life. Well, Randy Hensley, we want to thank you for being with us today at Inspire Appalachia. You've certainly inspired us. Thank you. Sir. It's been great. Thank you for doing this for inviting me and and letting the coalition be a part. God bless you guys. Inspire Appalachia is a production of Summit Marketing. Our producer is Rick Keller and Jacob Gilliam is managing editor. Roger Leonard is director and host. The Inspire Appalachia intro is Fine Times at Our House, performed by five-time Grammy Award-winning mandolinist, Adam Steffi. Our musical interludes are from Resilient by Rising Appalachia. Led by vocal and multi-instrumentalist sisters Lee Song and Chloe Smith. To learn more about our podcast or to hear more from today's guest, please see our aftercast section on our website at inspireappalachia.org. That's Appalachia, not Appalachia. <laughs> <laughs>